1: Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. My name is Michaela and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Amy Churchhouse. Amy grew up in Wellington, New Zealand and being outgoing with lots of interests. She has done lots of different things over the years. By the age of 30, she had a BSc in sports science and psychology and explored a number of different industries and roles. Then, At 31, Amy decided to follow her childhood dream of becoming a vet and after five years at vet school, moved to Melbourne and in 2015 started her career as a vet. After experiencing some challenges in her own life and seeing a lot of suffering in the lives of others around her, being a natural problem solver, Amy decided she wanted to try and make a difference to help people have better lives and she wanted to give others the opportunity to do the same. She started KGKN, Kensington Good Karma Network, to help people help each other, and the Good Karma Effect was born. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss how Amy problem-solves and innovates to tackle barriers within local communities, and how to create positive social change. We'll get some insights and thoughts from Amy on how you can amplify impact in your own local community, and the roadblocks you might face along the way. And then we'll hear what Amy believes is the future model for tackling complex community issues. Amy, thanks very much for joining us. Hi, Michaela. So to start off, Amy, could you please share a bit about your background and your journey through those many career pathways and what led you to creating social impact within local communities?
2: As you've already heard, I, um, I'm i pretty, pretty yeah. outgoing and I've been involved with lots of things over the years. Uh, as, a, as a child, I told, you know, my mother told me that I could be anything I wanted to be, and I don't think at the time she thought that there was a possibility that I could have wanted to be everything. <laughs> so uh, over, you know, my working career, I started in the fitness industry, moved through was a uh, representative rugby player, I was a tour guide internationally, I was a sales consultant, a sales training manager, a zookeeper, wow. a what else did I do? A stepmom, a business owner, a house owner, a whole lot of roles. Um, over the over the years, and then of course, uh, you know, I went back to the drawing board again at 31, and uh, thought, what do I want to do now? Well, I've always loved animals, and uh, you know, I I want to do something with animals after being a zookeeper as well, uh, and I decided to try and get into vet school. Got into vet school on the first attempt, and then went away and studied veterinary science. And then at the end of that, I decided I wanted to move out of New Zealand for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, I was really interested in shelter medicine. You know, I um, tend to want to help things. Uh, And uh, so I I got into, yeah, I got a job here in Melbourne and shelter medicine, there's not a lot of shelter medicine in in New Zealand. And uh, I also wanted to meet more people like me. Yeah, that was something that I, I felt like. Out of New Zealand, you know, there are, there are the same amount of people in Melbourne as there are in my whole country, so um, there's bound to be more people like me here. Yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, how I ended up here, and I guess, you know, how did I end up in, in doing what I do? I, I like solving problems, and there are lots of problems out there to solve, and I think, you know, everywhere you go, you can see people suffering, and I'm really empathetic, which is a challenge and, and a you know, um, a, a great thing for me as well, but... The, the suffering of other people actually is more burdensome for me than, you know, actually my own suffering, you know what I mean? I, I really want to make a difference for other people, and, and so I'm like, well, let's find a way to solve these problems, you know? Let's just try and and solve problems left, right, and center. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Like, yep. Got a problem? Let me s- see if I can solve it. Yeah. And yeah, so that's how I sort of ended up doing what I'm doing. It
1: um, was all about problem solving. Excellent. So two years ago, you launched Kensington Good Karma Network, which has now expanded to 33 more Good Karma Networks. Wow, first off. Uh, Would you be able to tell our audience more about the Good Karma Network, its effect and how you started it and, you know, what have you found its social impact?
2: Well, at the time that uh, I started it, you know, I was a, I was aware of that there are a lot of people suffering from a lot of different challenges. You know, life's really hard and we live in the most privileged place on the planet, so it doesn't seem right to me that we should be suffering so much. You know, we've got terrible mental illness, we've got um, major problems, but also we have day-to-day, you know, first world problems. And I believe that if we actually could sort out some of those first world problems, then we'd have some more energy and resources for <laughs> the problems that really need solving, yeah. right? So, uh, you know, I wanted to try and figure out how to empower people, because we're disempowered by our media, by our governments, by, you know, everybody thinks it's it's too hard to make a difference, or they don't think they're worth it, mm. or they've got the skills, or the resources, or the energy, and I don't think that's right. I think that everybody's got something to offer, and so essentially, it started with a couple of problems that I had, Yeah, always the way. Uh, the first one was I lost my cat. He went for a bit of a roam around the neighborhood and didn't come back. And I was a bit concerned after three days he hadn't eaten any food out of his bowl. So I took a day off work, delivered some flyers around the neighborhood saying I've lost my cat and found him. And he had a very weird haircut at the time because I shaved him because he's got long hair. Uh, but I sat down on the couch after doing this flyer drop and just sat there going, you know, it doesn't matter that I'm a vet, that I'm earning good money, that I'm quite connected, that I'm confident and outgoing none of that can help me right now, and I was beside myself, you know, yeah. like the only thing that was going to help me was other people's eyes, Yeah, and so luckily the phone rang, and the gentleman out around the corner said, hi, you've lost your cat, and I'm like, yep, yeah. he said, yeah, he's at my house, anyway, I got my cat back, um, and <laughs> just had a holiday, <laughs> well, that's another story, but anyway, <laughs> um, he was, yeah, he wasn't that happy about where he was, but Uh, He he came home, but he's he's a bit of an adventurer like me, and he wanted to go straight back outside when he got home. And for the next two weeks, I received phone calls from around the neighborhood saying, hey, have you found Bear? He's down here. Ah. And hey, have you found Bear? He's at my house today. And so I found out where he went during his days. But also uh, what occurred to me was that when people knew I had a problem and they knew how to get hold of me, they were very happy to help. It didn't matter that they were strangers. Yeah, they wanted to help me, right? That was the first problem. The second one was that I had one tree on my property, and it was growing over the footpath to the point where it was obscuring people's walking walking down to the train station at the other end. And, uh, you know, I, I, in order to get it sorted out, I had to call the property agent, who called the landlord, who organised three quotes. Who, you know, and two months after I actually contacted them, it got done. Right, it got cut. So at the time, I was like, well, there's a much better way to do this, which is just borrow somebody's clippers. But I didn't have any family or any friends nearby that I could do that from. But there's a whole lot of solutions in the houses around me. I just didn't have access to them. And I'm sure that if I had been able to pick up the phone and go, hey, neighbor Jane – I borrow your clippers? She would have said, yeah, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I thought, well, there's got to be a better way. (laughs) Let's see if we can figure this out. And so, yeah, I obviously didn't have money to to create a huge, you know, technological solution. Nor did I know how to do that or anything. And I was like, well, most people are on Facebook. I'll just start a Facebook group for us to help each other. And, uh, yeah, so I started a Facebook group. And I was was obviously quite excited about it because I was, you know, I I had – you know, there were so many things that it could do if we just got together and started helping each other out. Number one, I get to meet a whole lot more people, and that was something I really like doing. So, and I was talking to people in the streets and going, Hey, I've started the thing, and you know, would you like to join? It's for neighbors to be able to help each other out. And a lot of people were quite perplexed that, you know, that, so like, well, what do you do there? And I said, well, we'll just help each other out. And it was kind of quite a novel concept, but people were like, That sounds like a nice thing to be a part of. Yeah. I'd like to join that. <laughs> and so they joined, and you know, the numbers grew. Um, I yeah threw some money at it like, just to do a fly drop, the first, yeah. you know, the first one, and the second one I actually managed to get sponsorship from the local office works to, oh, uh, excellent. to yeah, promote uh, the yeah, network, and so I slowly did fly drops around the area. I was busy at the time, and obviously being busy, it was really important to me, well, that it didn't take up a whole of my time, yeah. as much as I really wanted to be impactful, I didn't want to have to manage the typical things that you deal with on social media, like people yes. being negative and bitching and moaning about things. And so I thought, how do I design this group so that we don't deal with all those things that people dislike? People are always trying to avoid advertising, right? Yeah. Um, I hate all the ads, right? So no advertising on this group. (laughs) Uh, People are always trying to get something for themselves. I'm going to sell all the stuff so I can get something for me. This isn't about selling, getting stuff for you. This is about helping the people that need helping. Uh, And uh, so I made no advertising, no selling. And anything that is offered is done so with no expectation in return, three of the guidelines. And the other major guideline was no negativity. So basically, if somebody decided to have a go at somebody else or judge them or whatever openly, that was grounds for removal, Yeah, uh, which I thought was really important. And I think the couple of reasons why that was really important to me. Number one, the group was designed for people to be able to ask for help. And people are not going to be vulnerable if they think other people are going to judge them or have a go at them or, you know, be negative about it. And so for me, encouraging people and creating safe space was more important than people allow, being allowed to do all those things that they do can do everywhere else. Mm.
1: So that model of, of using the Facebook and the framework that you've established for Good Karma Effect is, is pretty simple but obviously very effective. How did you decide that model? How did that come about? And have you found that it's evolved much since you started?
2: Yeah, so I guess it has evolved. and Well, yes yes and no. There have been challenges that have come up uh, that I've had to deal with that have helped me to realize that some of the things that I set up to start off with are incredibly sound and incredibly important, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and also be aware of, you know, needing to be able to create some solutions for those challenges. So, you know, the, the constant, you know, challenge is that people come from other groups and they're like, Oh, I know what Facebook groups are for. Oh, yes. I do this. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you about these, you know, Muslims that are attacking people in, you know, Carnegie or something that's yeah. not appropriate, not yeah, not helpful, not anything to do with it is, or even relevant to our people yeah I hate that stuff and it's just it's so detrimental to our psyche as much as to our you know to our well-being to our ears to our eyes to our children and I really want to to challenge the status quo on that you know everybody said to me you know oh that's just what people do on social media I'm like no that's not okay and if we did that in other areas of our lives, we'd have much more positive working environments, much more positive families, much more positive relationships, you know, and and we need to be able to stand up and go, hey, I understand that you're upset or I understand that that's difficult for you, but what we do here is we work together to solve problems. Yeah, <laughs> you know? nice and, and we're, simple. And we're, and we're positive about it. Yes. You know? If you don't have something positive, it says it in the guidelines, if you don't have something positive to say, don't say anything at all. Did you hear your mother say that when you were a child? (laughs) You know, like, yeah. I mean, it's basic stuff, you know, because there's so much energy that's wasted on fighting and conflict and I'm right and you're wrong. And like none of that is getting us anywhere. It doesn't matter whether you're right or wrong. It doesn't matter. Just like we're not going forward if you're arguing about it. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: A nice clear um, framework there. Yeah, it's a
2: clear framework and, and it has evolved, you know, I've had to create solutions for political discussions, for you know, people who are wanting to support local businesses but the platform doesn't support them because we can't you know, people are allowed to put recommendations on the, yep. on the you know, that sort of thing, but to advertise your business is not what it's yes. for. So okay. I've created solutions outside of that group. For the things that people want to use them for, like there's a public affairs group for people that just can't hold themselves <laughs> and want to spit the dummy about the politicians yeah. and stuff. It's just, it's not beneficial to the people, and it alienates people. People look at that stuff and they go, I don't want to be here because you are horrible. Yeah. Um, and to the people that, and, and you never even see them. Those people that are listening day in day out, that never say anything, that where it's really valuable, they check in for perspectives, they check in for learning, they check in for the compassionate exchanges.
1: And and those people will walk away when somebody comes in and goes, ah,
2: I'm going to you know, yep. tell you what to
1: do. So the rates of engagement and diversity of impact within Good Karma Network that you have been able to achieve is absolutely incredible. Um, I understand there's also been a lot of interested parties such as local councillors and political parties who have been interested to find out your reach and your levels of social media engagement. And as we know, social media engagement is such an important factor to establishing, you know, a solid community engagement. How might government most effectively engage communities in order to tackle these complex problems? It's a it's a really difficult question
2: to answer because trust in government and many other organisations has been eroded on a massive scale. So. You know, to get the community on side for them is a, is a, a very uphill battle. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's pretty fundamental is, you know, if you want engagement, show them that you care about them. You know, show them that, that you want to support them to, to do what they want to do. Find a way to work with your community. And, you know, the, the irony of the situation is that these councils are supposed to be looking after us. And, and we also fall into that and we go, well, they're, so they're responsible for everything and then we're angry that they don't do it and then they don't do it so we don't trust them. <laughs> Whereas if we actually, you know, the council went, hey, we've got resources, what do you need or what do you want or how can we, let's actually sit down together and work this out, what is the best thing for everybody, and get them thinking about each other as well. You know, I'm all about the collaboration because in a community, and this is the thing with the Good Karma Networks, is in a community there is everybody you know, there are the drug dealers, and there are all the different ethnicities, and all the different different sexual orientations, and, and all the different religions, and they're all really valuable parts of that community, and if we can actually crack it open and go, hey, let's just check out what everybody else thinks about this problem, then we'll get all of the perspectives, and be able to come up with a solution that works for everybody, Yeah, you know, and it's, that's gold, and, and everybody feels valuable and a part of that. Mm. Caring about your whoever is important. Um, so yeah, that would be my that would be my recommendation to the government.
1: So would you be able to tell us a little more about the growth with uh, Good Karma Network and the potential future? that you might see for community impact engagement in Australia?
2: So the the Good Karma Networks they started with, obviously, the Kensington Good Karma Network, and at the end of the first, well, first nine months, there were 2,500 members. Wow. Um, yeah, then, then people started to contact me from around the, the different parts of Australia and said, hey, I'd really like one in my... In my neighbourhood, and I sort of thought, oh, of course, you just here's the model, go for it, you know. And uh, they started to pop up. By June, there was nine networks, and then uh, it grew again after there was an article in the Age on the Kensington Good Karma network. Um, Now, the growth and and the experiences that people are having on these networks uh, is is really fostering a desire to want to be involved, Um, and it's. (laughs) There's huge potential in this project, and I've just realised that this year with now thirty three networks, some of them have not gone well at all, and over okay. the over the past year I've been analysing the success factors, Yeah, and and we've got some pretty clear success factors, you know, that involve the administration, the model, it's not just you start a, a good company and everybody plays nicely and, and solves problems together. A bit more you complex. Need, yeah, it is, and and you know, it's, it's, it's very straightforward, but it's very important that we're consistent with our guidelines, that we stick to our purpose, you know, as soon as somebody says that it's, you know, but, but I want to use it for this, it's kind of like, I don't, know, don't use it for dating, actually, the... The Coburg Good Karma Network singles group has just started. <laughs> so there have been a lot of a lot of groups that have come out of the network yeah. that are for special interests, which is yeah. great because it is, is that ground for connecting people with similar interests, you know, whether, and, and the interesting thing about the singles group is that people love the values, they love what we stand for, and that's the really interesting thing is that people are being attracted to this because it's nice, we're solving problems, and people respect each other. People are not judged. Obviously, that's what we encourage. Those are our values, uh, that, that we don't assume anything. We, you know, When somebody's behaving badly, we think, are you okay, first and foremost? We don't think you're a horrible person mm. um, because usually when something's wrong, I should say when somebody's behaving badly, there is something wrong with them. Mm.
1: So this growth over Australia is more in the sense that is the urge for the community to find a way to engage, and this is facilitating that. Is that what you're seeing then?
2: I think the interesting thing about the interest in the project is that people want to be connected and there are a bunch of different reasons why people are interested you know to solve problems to connect with people to to feel good and you know there's so many places where we're not feeling good in our workplaces and our families and our in our streets you know the 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 trust in the community is not high uh, there's a lot of judgments and a lot of a lot of challenges that people are experiencing, and when you see something nice, it makes your day better. So that's you know the, where it starts, but there's so many more possibilities in there. Uh, so yeah, the interest in, in that is that I think essentially that we're social beings and yeah. we want to be connected, and things are much more fun when you do it with people. I mean, it's really interesting watching people who had their little you know one square meter plot of garden. And I've seen them go. Oh, I've got this this plot and it's great. And I go and I garden there. And then, you know, three weeks later, oh, I took Mary and Jane down there and one brought some soil. And then we had some cookies and we had a lovely time. And so they did the gardening. They shared the, re- the the resources required to garden and they had a really good time together. So it was more efficient, more enjoyable, and that's what humans like.
1: Yeah you know. So for our audience and people at home who might be wondering how they can create positive social impact networks within their own communities, what tips and experiences can you share to inspire them in this process and collaborate? Well, the obvious answer to that is start a good comment. <laughs>
2: <isn't it? laughs> <laughs> That's it, you know, obviously that is one solution and, you know, i it has been a solution that I've given to lots of people because is it creates it's the possibility for anything. And this is the thing that to me has been probably most powerful is that this can be whatever you want it to be, uh, you know and it gives you the opportunity to test your ideas. Hey guys, I'm just wondering what you think about this idea. You know I was thinking about doing a march for the dogs. Does anybody want to join me? Yes, I'd love to join you. It says 42 people, you know, and then you know you're under a winner. And, you know, another one is, you know, let's go to the park and play soccer. Great, let's join a group. One of our groups actually started with a gentleman came onto the network and said, hi, guys, my partner and I like playing board games. Would anybody like to join us? Boom, 130 people in a group. And now they've got a regular Wednesday night session at the local RSL. That's amazing. Like, I mean, just try stuff. Do something. You know, try something see what happens, ask somebody. You know, ask people for their opinion and see what they think. Um, and don't be afraid because the things that we're afraid of are so small compared with all the possibilities possibilities that we don't ever access because we're afraid. Mm. You know, outside of, you know, outside of the the fear there's all these things that are just magic and I just think that everybody should believe in themselves. And I think that's one of the things that I really wanted to show people in the network is like, hey, if you want to make a difference, just make it to the neighbor. Just help them with their kid. Just help them with a cup of sugar, whatever. And then people can realize that they can make a difference. Yeah. And then they go, wow. What else can I do? And what else is possible? And now I'm just going, wow, we've got 27,000 members across all of these networks. I'm just sitting here going, what else is possible? Yeah, What can we do with this? What kind of positive change can we create? And I I want people to go with me. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) It sounds like a a call for action. I like it. So what are the next steps for Good Karma Effect?
2: Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, Obviously, with the rapid growth, uh, we've been trying really hard to keep up with the demand for new good karma networks and you know at this stage it's just me and I'm doing this entirely voluntarily so I'm creating resources I am supporting our administrators to deal with the challenges that they're facing on their networks I'm you know connecting with people who are interested in what we're doing I'm looking for opportunities to to create greater impact and and all of those things take a huge amount of time Uh, now so obviously moving forward we really need to secure some funding to uh, employ two two people. Um, I believe that it won't take much more than that at this stage uh, to to run the organisation and really be able to facilitate much more positive change. With the number of people we've got involved, the potential is just huge. And at the moment, it's very much limited by what I have to offer, and I'm still working at, at my job as well. So um, it's it's really hard work. It, a lot of energy and I'm, I really need some support. We're looking for partners of any size, shape, you know, and the, and the nature of, uh, of the good karma effect, you know, any contribution is, is welcome and, and is definitely important. Um, so it doesn't matter how big or small or even if, you, if there are other ways that people or organisations feel like they might be able to support us. We've, uh, we've been supported on a number of scales by lots, lots of smaller organisations, but we need to go to the next level now. Uh, because uh, if we do, if we get that support, we can just lift the impact that we're creating on a a much greater scale.
1: So in terms of your knowledge, and I guess you've had a myriad of experiences in terms of careers, but what local or global initiatives have you come across in your travels that you believe are leading the charge when it comes to social innovation? And what are they doing that you think other countries could adopt?
2: It's a really hard question because there's lots of, stuff happening around the world and to be honest I don't know many of them I would be yeah guessing to to be saying this one is more impactful and it's a more or less it's just like I want to engage with as many as I can to learn the things that I that I can bring back to my project and and help the people that are involved with me because for me this is about empowering people this is about grabbing the knowledge that everybody else has and making things easier making things better mm. you know making people happier that's what I want to do by, by sharing knowledge. And if you start doing that, it's amazing. Like, number one, you just start to hear people's stories, and they're amazing. But, you know, then you've got, you know, solutions that you never even thought about that make things easier, faster, happier. Uh, most of my life is spent thinking about my problems. Yeah. And and when I think about, you know, say my problems, you know, the problems of making this better. You know, I, I am continuously going, how do I make this better this project you know how do I make things easier for the administrators you know, how do I share the learnings that I've mm. learned so they don't have to go through those challenges um, and how do I communicate to the people that are joining the network what this is all about and, mm. and deliver it consistently so I don't have a lot of time thinking about those other initiatives but you know I have connected with lots of people that are doing lots of amazing things. To finish
1: off could you recommend a few great books that you think would inspire our listeners?
2: I have a few books that are that are pretty fantastic. The first one is uh, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Roman Sharma. Uh, Roman Sharma also has a fantastic uh, quote or a um, statement that he made that I like to actually run my life by, and it's called Rules for Being Amazing. And uh, that's, that's certainly being amazing is something that I like to try and inspire in all of the people that I meet because we all have the opportunity to do that. So look up Rules for Being Amazing. Then there is The Alchemist by Paul Coelho. Another one is How Finding Your Passion Changes Everything by Ken Robinson. And the final one, which I, I really like, is uh, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Superheroes Ooh. by Deepak Chopra.
1: I haven't heard that one. That sounds amazing. Yeah,
2: it's pretty
1: cool. (laughs) Well, today we've sort of heard how um, our community can go from helping their neighbour with a cup of sugar to a massive network. So, Amy, thank you very much for your generous insights and time.
2: My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org.